Hello and welcome to another episode of Fountain City Sports Media, a program made by Kansas City fans for Kansas City fans. My name's Armando, and along with my good friend Reese, we will be reacting to the Chiefs' win against the Miami Dolphins. 33-27 win. The Chiefs are now 12-1 and and are now the number one seed in the AFC because the Steelers lost. Oh, Woo! Say it again, Armando. I'm, say it I again. I, I think I'm more excited about the Steelers losing to the Bills than I am the Chiefs beating the Dolphins. But we will get into that in the podcast. All to say that we currently hold the only buy in the playoffs, and we're looking to hold on to that spot, baby. But before we break down the implications of what happened after this game, let, let's touch this game, because boy, was it a strange game. But before we do that, I, I forgot, sorry. I will hand it off to Trusty Reese for some, for some business. Uh, thank you for uh, handing off the business records uh, to me, Armando, because right now I have to say stonks here at Fountain City Sports Media have never been higher because it is my absolute pleasure to announce yet another, yet another friend of the podcast. And I'm talking an official friend of the podcast. Woo! Not not just, you know, like, hey, this guy's a friend of the podcast. Or like, you know, we throw it out kind of willy-nilly. No, I'm talking the hardcore, full-on friend of the podcast. And this week's friend of the podcast announcement goes out to our boy Alex from Fort Wayne, Indiana. Can we give it up for Alex from Fort Woo! Wayne, Indiana? Yeah, thank you, Alex, from Fort Wayne, Indiana. A big help. We appreciate all of our friends of the podcast who are helping us out. You know, like you guys know, we are an up-and-coming podcast, so any help uh, really does do well for us, and we hope that we are giving you the content that you like. And please continue to consider becoming a friend of the podcast on Patreon and Reese that is www.patreon.com backslash FCSM and that is how you find us please consider donating and if you can't donate I know times are hard at least consider downloading our podcast I know a lot of you are listening out there consider downloading on whatever uh, platform you have whether it's Spotify Apple Stitcher anything that it is please consider downloading that as well as giving us a, a review I know Apple Podcasts. we would love to see a five-star review so if you cannot donate please try to download yeah like Armando says it only costs 30 seconds of your time to go on and give us a a review on your favorite listening platform leave a comment and share it to a friend you know like word of mouth is the best thing but man i have to say wow what a great friend to alex he is a uh, official friend of the podcast official friend thank you so much alex and don't forget to uh tap into that secret stuff that only our patreon viewers can get bonus episodes and content ask a question on air and receive a shout out on air so woo Oh, all right. Well, we started it off great. Alex started us off. Now let's go into this game. What an interesting game, Reese. Uh, unfortunately, we've had kind of two back-to-back kind of scratching our heads game. Uh, one against the Broncos and one now against the Dolphins. Oh, we can go so back instead far- of having. I'm sorry. We can go back farther than that if we want to talk head scratchers, man. It's been a... Uh... Since since the first weekend of November against the Jets has been a bunch of head scratches for me. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're right. Every game has had some like, wait a minute, why did that happen? Or why did this happen? And really, you only you only get that by watching the game. It's hard to see that in the scoreboard or in the box score. But just so many weird things happening in this game. Why don't we break down, though, what is the biggest takeaway that you got from this game, Reese, whether negative or positive, it doesn't matter. Just the biggest thing that stuck out to you. The Chiefs still haven't played a game with four good quarters on both sides of the ball. We have not played a game complete for four quarters. We've had games where the defense has been dominant all game. We've had games where the offense has been dominant all game. We've had games like this one where it's kind of like, oh, defense is good for a quarter and a half. Oh, okay, now they're bad. Oh, but offense is going off for like 17 points in a quarter. Okay, now they're kind of going down. But we have not played four straight quarters of our like Chiefs playing B-plus football on both sides of the ball. And I think when they do, 
I think that's when we're going to start to see just like this juggernaut that nobody can take down. Because, I mean, if we do do that, if we play three quarters of B-plus football, there is nobody in this league that can hang with us. So that's my big takeaway from the game. What's your big takeaway from the game? You know, but before I talk about my biggest takeaway, I want to address yours. I think the Ravens game, we may have been on all cylinders all four quarters, but to your point... That's really the only game that I can think of that I was just, you know, calm and cool the entire time. And that's not good. Well, I mean, that's probably the closest thing we have because the defense played. uh, I would give the defense a B minus to a B for that game in terms of their potential. Because at one point we were up 27 to 10. We were rolling, 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 rolling in the third quarter. But then... No points in the third quarter, and only a touchdown in the second. Or sorry, a touchdown in the fourth quarter. I remember that game because it was starting to kind of creep back. It was it went from twenty seven ten to twenty seven thirteen. I think at one point didn't it go twenty seven twenty? I could be mistaken, but even then, it didn't feel like we were locked in playing B plus football for four quarters. I, I would say maybe the closest, in my opinion, is that Buffalo game where we had to play him in that super wet, yeah. sloppy game at their stadium. But, you know, even then, it's like the defense should have put the clamps down and the offense left points on the board. I don't know. You know, I also don't want to be cliche, but I think this plays into it as well, is that in the first quarter, Patrick Mahomes may see defenses that he was not expecting because people have been preparing for said Chiefs game for who knows how long, right? And maybe schemes that we haven't seen before. And that's why I I always feel like the Chiefs are playing behind, especially in that first quarter. Like, I feel like sometimes Pat doesn't know they're going to run a certain play, doesn't know whether they're going to blitz. Either they're hiding their schemes, right? Uh, And we can talk about Miami particularly and what they did with their defense and how they were pretty successful in what they were doing. But I always feel like those first couple quarters, and, and you can attest to it too, when we're on the text chain i mean it does feel like every single game is like oh no i hate this game i mean i i I forgot what you said but you're like this is an awful game but you always tend to say that in the first quarter during these kind of throwaway games i i said and i stand by this and this is the magic and just like the this the bevy of riches of having patrick mahomes at quarterback i said i'm still not worried about this i'm like we, we can come back in any game at any point in time. And I mean, to this day, no one has managed to like put Patrick Mahomes down. In fact, I think I shared this meme with the group as well. It's that Yu-Gi-Oh meme of that like nerd sitting there saying, you just activated my trap card. And so <laughs> yeah, yeah. And someone's like, when the Chiefs go down 10 points and it's Pat Mahomes, and he's like, ha ha, you just activated my trap card. <laughs> that's how it always is. We go down 10 and then we just like turn into this like undefeatable juggernaut of a team. It's incredible. Uh, well, I also don't want to get off topic too much, but I just saw NFL Films post a redo of the Super Bowl, um, and it was like in the NFL Films, and I actually had never seen the the NFL Films like highlights of the Super Bowl, but I watched it before the game, and I was like, I don't remember this game being so stressful, and now kind of so. 13 games removed from the Super Bowl it's like things like that don't matter anymore like being behind by that much not really knowing because even though we've had these oh god I hate this game you and I have never hit the panic meter except for maybe in the beginning of the season when we had a few blunders and of course the the Raiders lost but Last year, we normally would have hit the panic meter every single game. And now we're like, eh, well, I mean, that first quarter was bad, but whatever. It's Patrick Mahomes. I, I will admit the Super Bowl right around the time just before Jet Chip Wasp was the only time where I'm kind of like, yeah, I'm like, this was a good team we didn't match up with. Well, they played better than we did tonight and executed more. I'm like, yeah, we might lose this. Because I mean, out. That was, what, seven and a half minutes down uh, 10 in the Super Bowl? That Niners D was getting pressure on Pat. Our receivers couldn't get enough time to get separation. You know, they were running the ball. That was the recipe to beat us. But even then, Pat Mahomes is like, oh, hey, guys, watch this. And, and we didn't just we didn't just erase a <laughs> 10-point deficit. We, we won by double digits. That's insane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I can watch those highlights over and over and over again, and I will still be shocked every single time. 
every single time i'll still be like goodness well I, i've waxed poetic enough on my my take from the game we we've both kind of agreed on this here what is your big takeaway from this game well, my my biggest take, and it could be a shock to you, but uh, it agrees with you from weeks, weeks, weeks ago that I did not agree with you. So uh, here is a public apology to hashtag referees. The Miami Dolphins are a very good team, and Miami Dolphins are here to stay. I wasn't too concerned, and we'll talk about this later, I wasn't too concerned about the blunders that we had, particularly Patrick Mahomes turning over the ball. Because I respect that defense. I respect what they did to our offense. And I respected Tua coming into a very a very tough matchup, regardless of our Jackal and Hyde defense, coming in and playing very well. Um, so that was the biggest takeaway for me, is that Miami's a good team. I knew their defense was great, but this defense is very good. And the reason why I'm actually kind of happy that they're a good team, who is the Dolphins going to play First week of the playoffs. If everything stays the same, who are the Dolphins going to play? That I legit don't know. If things stay the way they are, the Dolphins will face the Steelers in the first round. Oh, jeez. Yeah. So so as that game is going, I'm going, gosh, this team's good. I'm like, wait a minute. They may knock off the Pittsburgh Steelers in round one. Oh, yeah. In the biggest turn back the clock, about 45 years football match of all time. It's going to be like late 70s football where it's just <laughs> ground and pound. Look at this high scoring affair, guys. It's already seven to six at half. Holy crap. You know, it's, I mean, both 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 defenses are, are pretty good, but both offenses are also pretty stagnant and stanky. Okay. So here's where I'm going to pivot on this. Okay. So I was straight up buying a condo in Miami a few weeks ago when I was singing the praise of the Dolphins, put them in number five. I am not selling that condo, but I'm willing to timeshare it with you because I am not giving up on said condominium, but I don't like it as much as I did when I first bought it. And here's why. That defense is pretty nasty, but... The only thing that defense really did outside those initial first three drives was that amazing Xavier Howard one-handed interception that really turned to the tide of the game. Like that, that was the pivot yeah. point. But offensively, I know they put up points. Tua is not a very good quarterback. Whoa! I'm, I'm, Let's get into that, baby. Well, I'm, I, I wasn't expecting to go there. Let's go. So I'm dropping this hardcore bombshell on you right now, and I, I'll probably get you know just like destroyed for this. People are like, oh man, he's hobbled. He's a rookie. Blah, blah, blah. I was saying this stuff back at Alabama. Tua is a very accurate quarterback. I mean, definitely, he's an accurate quarterback. He doesn't make bad decisions. He's very good at checkdowns. He's got a pretty weak arm and not a very fast release. Well, I mean, you saw it on the interception Honey Badger had in the second half last game. You know, the, the, he should have, if he led his receiver, who had about two yards of space, if he would have led his receiver even just like a little bit, but no, he had to turn around, jump up to get that ball, got slammed, it got popped out. And I, I, I was texting people, I said, hey, I'm like, if Tua had a stronger arm and was able to lead that receiver, I'm like, that's seven. That should have been seven. And that's kind of how it was all game. He kind of puts a little too much float in his passes. He, he kind of reminds me of, uh, oh, geez, some sort of cross between, like, Alex Smith and Marcus Mariota, where he's, he's <laughs> never going to play you out of games, but, like, I don't think he's ever going to be the guy to come back from behind and win you games. All right, well... There's a lot of uh, there's a lot to unpack there. So let, let let me see. So your your biggest point, you said that he can throw the long ball and doesn't have the zip. I'll concede that he doesn't have the zip, although he does have zip on the ball when it's just a dink and dung check down. Like there, he gets the ball off quick enough. I think it's not a big issue. But with the long ball, I mean, he threw he didn't throw like a forty yarder, but he threw one twenty two yarder to Bowden, a twenty three yarder to Hollins, a couple long shots, almost thirty yard passes to uh, Mike Gusecki. And I thought those were actually pretty good. Like, I think you're also glossing over those things that that you said he was good at. Making smart decisions and being an accurate passer. I mean, how many quarterbacks qualify for making smart decisions and being an accurate passer? Can can we put Josh Allen in those two categories? No. We can put Kyler Murray in that. Can we put Lamar Jackson in that conversation? No. Right. Well, I mean, I'm just saying like playoff quarterbacks. Okay, who else is a playoff quarterback? Uh, Mark Jackson's not a playoff quarterback as of right now. I'm just saying. 
that's true. Womp, womp, womp. Okay, Baker Mayfield. We we put Baker Mayfield. Does he is he an accurate quarterback? Not really. He can throw the long ball, but he's not a very accurate quarterback. So I think Tua's strengths are actually pretty rare in the NFL right now because you kind of get either or. You either get someone with a long arm or they're a pretty accurate passer, but they don't have that long arm strength, which is why, you know, Patrick Mahomes is a one of one. I, I'm going to already redact my statement on what I think Tua is. Just listening to what you were saying there, I think I would be far more afraid of Tua if he were coached by Bill Belichick because I think Tua is oh, yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo with the it factor or Tom Brady with a weaker arm and more athleticism. Yeah, but but look at Jimmy G with that with that beautiful face. What are you talking about? He's got the it factor, bro. <laughs> Yeah, he, he's, <laughs> he's got plenty of it, but what is it? I don't, I don't know if I'm sure I want to know. <laughs> Who knows what it is? <laughs> no, I mean, look, with it. I, I honestly, I think in the next five years, looking at who is a quarterback right now, Tua is going to be up there, not in elite status, but maybe a tier two status. You know, to a Patrick Mahomes, um, to a Kyler Murray. He won't be up there, but he'll definitely be someone who's going to be knocking on that door, especially if they keep that defense. You know, hats off to Brian Flores for really making that team do well. And shame on the Chiefs a little bit because they their, their starting running back was our fifth stringer, right? They had three Three running backs out. They had some offensive linemen out as well. They had some defensive linemen out. Um, so they had a lot of core people out of that game, and it was still very close. So hats off to the Dolphins. I think we could have cleaned up some stuff as well, but but that was a good game. I think it was always going to be a good game, just something that I personally overlooked. So apologizing to referees publicly. Jeez, I don't think, I mean, just just look at me right now, being so contrarian, like I won't even take an apology, but like, no, shut up, you were right. <laughs> I don't want, no, 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 don't apologize. That's funny. Okay, all right, so this is not a Dolphins podcast, let's talk about the Chiefs. Now, one, one storyline that I've seen frequently in the past 24 hours, and I just put it on our, like, Google Docs, or outline, because I thought it was funny. Patrick Mahomes is human. What? Have you seen uh, um, uh, the uh, 300 series where uh, where the, uh, what are those people name in 300? The, the Spartans? The non-300s. No, not the Spartans. The, the Persians? Facing. Yeah, Persians. You know how like the Persians like attack and then they shield them and then someone throws an arrow at a Persian and then he looks at his guys and he's like, they are but humans. And then they go and attack. I feel like that was the media today talking about Patrick Mahomes. So let's look at his stats really quick and then we can debate whether or not this was a less than human game for or sorry, a human game, a less godly game from Patrick Mahomes. So he ended the game with 393 yards two touchdowns, three interceptions, and three sacks. Reese, what did you see from Patrick Mahomes? Was this the worst game you have ever seen from Patrick Mahomes? Absolutely not. Not even close. And I have been waiting to unravel this one all day. So let me get this started here. Was the first quarter of play potentially Patrick Mahomes' worst first quarter of play? Yes. Was it because the Dolphins' defense or more so on Patrick Mahomes? Far more so on Patrick Mahomes, doing things like bobbling snaps. Nine out of ten times when he runs 30 yards back like that, he's going to escape the guy. He did not this time. Both those interceptions were not right to the defense, and they weren't bad routes. Pat just put a little bit too much loft on him. And not to mention, everything I mentioned has the one common factor of our porous and abhorrent offensive line. Now, where am I going with this, are you asking yourself? The offensive line sucks. This still goes <laughs> hand in hand with the MVP discussion. It was like, well, now Rodgers has more touchdowns and one less interception uh, I saw than that. Patrick Mahomes. Okay, okay, I see that. I raise you this. Patrick Mahomes has one bad quarter against the Dolphins. He makes up for it in the next three by throwing two touchdowns and nearly 400 yards. And that third pick, that was more of a great defensive play on an okay pass, if we're going to be honest. I mean, no other defensive cornerback in the league probably turns that one-handed interception. Now, Rodgers has a bad quarter against Tampa Bay, 
And what happens? The Packers get the doors blown off them, and Rodgers can't recover all game. And that has been Rodgers throughout his entire career. When he gets a hot start or decent start, he's hard to slow down. But when he starts the game in first gear with no momentum, it's hard for him to come back. How can you call Patrick Mahomes human when he does something inhuman like that? Absolutely. And actually, to add to that, so in the last... Two quarters of the game, the Chiefs outscored the Dolphins 28-0. to Patrick Mahomes entered the game as the only quarterback in the Super Bowl era to boast a winning record in games. His team falls behind by double digits. That's and that not- includes the playoffs. Eight, He's 8-5 eight and five when they fall behind double digits. That's not human. We've never seen that. Nobody's ever managed to do that. Brady... Yet, yet... Yet this is the game that people are saying Aaron Rodgers is now eclipsed Patrick Mahomes in the MVP race. How dare you guys? I know this isn't a shame segment, but shame for shame. I'll give you a bell ring on that one. No, it's it's stupid. I mean, Pat's played a much more difficult schedule than Aaron Rodgers and the Packers have, you know, and... Let's be real here. They're they're a much more, well, I don't want to say a much more pass-dependent offense, but the fact that Pat can, like, distribute the ball to the degree that he has the number one and number four highest receiving yards players in the league. I mean, heck, Rodgers is throwing to, like, Adams and nobody else. Pat's distributing. Pat's breaking comebacks. And also, last time I checked, we have a better record by two games. Tell me who the MVP is, Armando. (laughs) <laughs> it is a Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, so if you take out the the three interceptions and the fumble, you see th- almost 400 yards, two touchdowns, 136 yards pass to Kelsey, almost 80 yards pass to, to Tyreek Hill, and he also got uh, CEH involved, almost 60 yards receiving for CEH. I mean... If you didn't have those turnovers, like you said, where some were on Patrick Mahomes, some were not on Patrick Mahomes, you would think that that was a very good game for Pat, and in fact it was. I want to break down some of those turnovers that happened. The one bob or the one bobbled pass that Mahomes had in the second drive to Kelsey. Remember, Kelsey tips the pass, and then it is intercepted right afterward. At first, I said, boy, that was a bad that was a bad throw. But then going back to the replay, the guy that tipped him was on the floor and then miraculously gets up in, like, record speed to tip the ball that was headed towards Kelsey. So if I was Pat, I would have done that same play because it looked like the defender was on the floor for that play and he like got up like it was an up down like in the army. So that was for me, that was a freak play and that interception didn't bother me. And that's the second time this happened to Pat this year. Uh, Oh geez, I'm brain farting so hard now. It was a couple of games ago when Robinson zigged when he should have zagged. Like, the dude that he zigged on fell over and was able to, like, half fall up again and, like, just enough to intercept the ball. Those are two really dumb luck, bad, you know, breaks for Patrick. Absolutely. And then... Going on to the huge sack that he had as well, it's not Pat's fault that they were only rushing four and getting to Pat the entire game. I mean, if if you watch that game and not just looked at the box score, Pat was going left and right, not because he wanted to, because he had no choice. They were getting to him. Miami didn't have to blitz. They 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 of course did blitz on on a few packages, but their front four was just destroying our four. So they didn't have to, which then allowed their corners, allowed their safeties to double on Kelsey, to double on Tyreek because they were like, "Well, we don't have to pressure him because our our four is getting to him." So not only that, but then Pat is able to find a way to still find Kelsey. If you look at that Kelsey touchdown he had, Kelsey was double covered and Pat had to pretend to run out and look like he was going to do a uh, a uh, a sneak run in order to get one of the defenders off Kelsey just very quickly just enough for Pat to zing it into Kelsey. I mean, Pat had to do so much magic during that game. So I also don't fault him for the sack. Okay, of course that fumble or whatever. Or the fumble happened that's fine out of 100 times 
That only happens once. I doubt that's ever going to happen again. I would be very surprised. And then the last one that you already touched on, Reese, was that huge interception that uh, that uh, Xavier Howard had. I mean, that dude got up. Like, it was perfectly placed for Tyreek. Maybe he could have thrown it a little farther for Tyreek, but, I mean, that, that was a perfect throw. The only thing that I thought was not good was the overthrow to Sammy Watkins that Sammy tipped and became an interception. So, fine. There was one interception on Pat. The rest of them, come on. Yeah, and, and that's, like, why I said earlier I was more frustrated that we weren't getting it going, then I was like, oh, I'm scared. You know, It wasn't like this Dolphins defense was just getting to Pat within two seconds every drive. It wasn't like they were jumping routes and throwing defenses that had Pat seeing ghosts. Dude, all of like the things that happened in the first quarter were the equivalent of like baseball unforced errors. You know, it's like dropping yeah. a routine fly ball, letting something bounce through your legs in the infield. That's all it was. Like I said, Patrick wasn't throwing these interceptions right to dudes. He wasn't throwing it to a guy not seeing the disguised coverage. They, they were just less than perfect passes, less than perfect Pat. And I mean, heck, you know, it only cost him 10 points. And even if it didn't, I still think they would have come back if they were down 21 nothing. Yeah, it's true. Look, if, if this game was played 100 times, what happened today would happen twice maybe would have maybe twice there would be four turnovers not to say the dolphins are not a good defense they are but those big blunders that hurt us right the interceptions the fumbles those would not have happened the pressure still would have happened our o-line still would have sucked but those big plays pat would have cleaned up and that's a good Dolphins defense. That is not a great Dolphins defense. I don't know if I say Fair. that is a top five defense that Patrick Mahomes has played while at the helm in Kansas City. Uh, but again, not to be the contrarian guy and discrediting you saying I'm right here. I still stand by the Dolphins are a good team. My surprise witness I'm going to pull out here is going to be that I have been very curious about their weird offensive numbers all year. Remember how I pointed out they la like they rank in like the lower 20s in a lot of offensive categories yet their points are still sort of high. I think that kind of yeah. came that that kind of showed up this game and that's why I'm not super afraid of the Dolphins down the line. It's like I think now the defense kind of knows them better. It's like will the defense let them score 20 plus points on us again? No, probably not. I don't think this team is talented enough to do what it did, you know, consistently. I think we saw the best shot the Dolphins could possibly ask for against us and this was still the result yeah I mean I I again I don't want this to become a Dolphins podcast but the Dolphins didn't have a running game during that time so Tua had to throw every single time and I think that became a little predictable for us so I feel like if he would have had Jordan Howard Matt Burita I know those aren't great names but that's a good two-headed monster right there that can at least have a semblance of a running game against a pretty weak running defense uh, in the Kansas City Chiefs. So I feel like if they would have had that, it could have made their offense a little better, but I kind of get what you're saying, but Tua had to throw 48 times. Oh. Like that, that dude was throwing every single time. He had a pretty bad QBR, but I don't blame him for that. I think he made some spectacular plays, um, particularly to Gasecki. Like it just seemed like he was always going to his tight end. And I was like, come on, guys, you know he's going to pass it to, to Mike Gasecki. Just guard him. Well, that's a really good point. I'm glad you brought it up. One thing we've really struggled against this year, outside of maybe the Ravens game, is guarding good tight ends and I'm not even talking like Travis Kelsey George Kittle level tight ends I'm talking if your tight end is like above average and probably a top third tight end in the league we have trouble guarding them and a lot of that comes back to what's been the problem with the defense all year which is the linebacker core we don't have a yep. linebacker we don't have a safety that really matches up well against a big beefy 6-4 plus good hands athletic tight end you saw Waller kill us a couple times. You saw, ah, oh, jeez, I, I keep wanting to say Osemele. What's his name? Slicky Ricky. Uh, the Dolphins guy. Wait, who? <laughs> the Dolphins <laughs> the tight end. Kasicki. There we go. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Mike, Mike, Mike Kasicki. Mike. Or Gasecki. I'm going to call him Slicky Ricky because that's how he played. He was Slicky Ricky. <laughs> what I'm getting at is that's probably one of the things that's going to worry me in the playoffs, particularly if we run into like the, the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, Eric Ebron's not like the most consistent tight end, but he is a big physical 
athletic tight end. And I think Dan Sorensen, Neiman, and more of our players kind of in those regards are going to have a hard time guarding them. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. And Ed, this is a good transition into talking about the defense. I feel like every single game, they expose the middle of the field either by slants or either just some sort of weird route run by the tight end or just the running back, right? A running back getting a dink and dunk, running back going up the middle. They always always expose the middle of the field. Now, Willie Gay has had some great games. He had a couple tackles yesterday, but still doesn't feel like the core of the offense yet. I'm not saying like the team leader, but he just doesn't feel like he is he is the person in our defensive core that we can rely on yet. I hope that kicks in because we've seen a lot of potential from him. But other than him, right, we have Hitchens that we don't really know what happens there. Dirty Dan kind of back and forth. What's going on there? Then sometimes we'll see some Ben Neiman like it's a very weird linebacking core right now that can be exposed. You're right by uh, Eric Ebron or anybody else, uh, Mark Andrews when the Ravens play. I mean, it, it's, it is a liability for us, but I do want to give a shout out to the our, our front four for that game because they finally showed up and they, they played really well. What do you think, Reese? Oh, yeah. I'm not going to hold anything as the front four. I'm really happy of the pressure they were able to get on Tua today. He was running for his life all game. All game. It was fantastic, especially because, you know, he got his ankle dinged up early in the game. I said, hey, they're going to feast on him now. That's just what they did. Getting a safety. Frank Clark was doing some patented oh, Frank. so big. Frank Clark, like, seek and destroy. When Frank Clark is on, he is like Michael Myers from the horror film. I'm not talking groovy baby <laughs> Michael Myers. I'm talking about, like, he's unstoppable and he will stalk you until the end of the play to bring you down. But, you know, what you mentioned earlier... We're not seeing enough Willie Gay Jr., man. He only played on 19% of the snaps yesterday on a day when really? we, on a day when the the center of the field has been open to an embarrassing amount. It, the Dolphins second drive of the game, they converted, I think it was a third and seven, and it was just a basic slant to the center of the field that went for 10 plus yards. It made me sick. There wasn't anybody in the middle of the field it's like they did a cover zero but just in the center of the field I I couldn't believe it but I'm sorry dude Neiman is my boy from Iowa he was great when he was a Hawkeye when are we going to see Willie Gay because I get that Neiman always seems to have like you know a good nose for being in the right place at the right time and he's got a good football IQ but what good is the IQ if the execution is at like 5% or less? I would rather have a player out there like Willie Gay Jr. who has no idea what he's doing but can compensate for that by like making it to the other side of the field in two seconds than somebody who knows where he's going but still can't make a play. Yeah, I I, I maybe think that he he just doesn't have the, the IQ maybe that that Spags is looking for right now because one blown play could be a touchdown as we saw with the Raiders loss right it was one blown play here one blown play here but he's not playing deep in in the field he's going to be playing in the middle so I hope we don't have a lot of time left before the playoffs 19% of the snaps is not okay when you have someone as athletic as Willie Gay for these last couple games I really hope they're putting him in for at least 50% of, of these snaps because he needs to get the experience and he needs to show them the athleticism that he has. We love Willie Gay and we need him to be on the field. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back with the favorite segment of the podcast. That's right. It's the beer review. And today we have referees reviewing for us. Reese. What will you be reviewing? Uh, today, I have this really interesting beer that I am so ready to share with everybody. It's from Contra Brewing. It is Deer Slayer. And unless Ooh. I am mistaken, it looks like it's coming in one of these big, stonky, chonky, 19.2-ounce mega tall boy Uh-oh, cans. Uh-oh, someone's getting wasty tonight. <laughs> Absolutely not. I will not be censored. I will not be censored for my excitement. You can't censor the censor. Exactly. Who watches the Watchmen? Nobody. That's who. But you know who watches the deer? The people <laughs> drinking Deer Slayer. Uh, okay, so what is Deer Slayer? That sounds like it's going to be this like crazy stout. Well, it's 
It's a blonde ale as far as I can tell from what I've been able to look up. I think it's just one of those beers designed to be semi-sessionable, like when you're just kicking it up in, uh, I feel bad for not knowing this, a deer stand, I believe is what they're called, when you're, you know, like camping out in the trees waiting for deer to come by. I unfortunately am not a good hunter myself, but I mean, the thing's only at 5.2 ABV, so even in this tall, tall can, you know, this this is a Keystone Plus right now. Nice, nice. And Contra Brewing, do you know where that is? I can look it up as well. Uh, I looked it up on Google Maps. Uh, if you go up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA, start, that is where Contra Brewing is located. Friends, What of the does po- that mean? <laughs> Friends of the podcast, if anybody gets the Contra code joke, please uh, tweet at us at, at FountainCitySM on Twitter. <laughs> Sorry, that's, that's uh, it. That's an old video game joke. None of our Gen Z fans are going to get that. Okay, so all of our fans. Yeah, our boomers might, but not Gen Z. Uh, It's in Cooperstown. Oh, is it in Cooperstown? All right, Reese. Well, interesting to know where the beer comes from. Uh, Contra Brewing. Hell yeah. So why don't we go ahead and get started with this. Let's do our first test, which is Aroma. Uh, okay, so Aroma, I'm going to open this can up for everybody. Unfortunately, I didn't think and I already opened it up, so please accept my humble Police Academy voiceover. All right. <laughs> I do it for the fans, man. I want them to have the authentic experience. You you did a Police Academy joke, a Contra joke. Yep, it's just going to go across everyone's heads. Yes, sir. All right, so Aroma... Huh, this does smell like a blonde. And I'm not just being like, well, obviously it smells like a blonde if it is a blonde. I'm saying, do you know how hard it is to make like a decent blonde ale and get all those kind of like fruity floral esters in there? You know, a lot of people are like, well, I, I could be wrong in this. You're like, uh, Natty Ice is technically a blonde style. It's like, shut up, beer nerds. No, it's not. You know, uh, but, Man, a second opinion. Yeah, there, there's some nice floral blonde notes in this. So uh, I am giving this the benefit of the doubt on this one. And it's going to get a surprising 8.73 on Aroma. Ooh, wow. Abusing the Metzger metric system, perhaps. And this is this is coming off having a Le Chouf blonde last night. So, you know, oh. like my, my nose is calibrated to uh, the straw colored hair right now, if you catch my drift. I, I do catch your drift, absolutely. All right, so high praise on aroma. Let's see if we get high praise on appearance. Appearance? Mm, you know, again, this kind of... It looks like a blonde-ish. It's a little bit darker than most... It looks most, dark, yeah. It looks dark on my end. Yeah, the, the most blondes I see. Uh, I mean, this is definitely like strawberry blonde in terms of its color. Uh, it's a little bit hazier than most blondes I've seen, too. I would say, geez, it's like if you held this up to Space Camper or something like that, it would probably take me a quick look before I was able to deduce right away which was which. So for appearance, uh, it's a little unorthodox, but man, the whole boxing style of this beer has been unorthodox this far. So I'm going to give it a 7.9 on appearance. Ooh, almost an 8, but not quite. Excellent. And you, you've already started on flavor. Let's see it, baby. What's the flavor on it? Oh, I, I was just unleashing my inner sniff bros and sniffing. Oh, the I was like, it's, you're it's going, fun. dude. I'm just I'm, I'm waiting to wake up from the dream and be like, this isn't a blonde. <laughs> you drink it. It's like a, a imperial stout. Oh, jeez. Gotcha. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> it's like black licorice. I hope you like brunch stout. Oh, oh gross. Oh. <laughs> uh. Dr. Ooze. <laughs> it's like an Ouzo stout. Okay, anyway, what's the next thing? God, we're losing so many so many viewers on such like the best part of the podcast. Why is every <laughs> why is every live Twitter we're getting right now it says Fire Reese? <laughs> <laughs> I was born after the nineties. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dude, we I'm carding people on the weekends now. I mean I'm carding people all the time, you know, but like especially they're coming through on the weekends, like the kids. Dude. Uh-huh. The kids born in '99 can drink now. Are you are you aware Jeez. of that? Has that like process? That that, that kind of makes sense because my brother's 97 and I feel like he's been drinking for a while. So those are the hardest. Yeah, that's ooh. Next year, 
2000? Yikes. Well, 2000 stuff would be easy. It's like, are you born in 2000? That means you're 21. Waka waka. You right. know, it's like resetting the 90s <laughs> thing where it's like, I keep feeling like the 90s were 10 years ago. And it's like, no, you're 30 now. It doesn't feel like it's 10 years ago. Undergrad was 10 years ago for me. Oh, man. You're having your, your 10th anniversary soon. Oh, my gosh. Dude, ain't that the truth? Okay. Well, I need to try the flavor of this beer to drown my sorrows in case everybody All forgot. Right. We are on. Happy 10th anniversary, Reese. Let's 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 have a nice taste. Flavor. So this is kind of where the chickens come to roost. I'm going to give this a second opinion sip before I say anything. Yeah. Again, if we're going to categorize this as a blonde, I'm going to say the flavor is not my favorite. It's not bad, you know, but given that head that it had on it, I was hoping for something a little more blonde-ish. This tastes to me just kind of like, uh, you know, a pale lager or an American-style lager, you know, or any of those. I mean, I don't want to say it's calling it a domestic flavor is doing it a disservice and it's disingenuine, but I wouldn't say it has a super authentic blonde flavor to it. That being said, you know, if I had a cooler full of these PBR and any other domestic you could name, I would definitely reach for the Deer Slayer. You know, that's no competition. But again, if we're going to call it a blonde, if I'm in a sports car and it does zero to 60, you know, in like seven and a half seconds, then it's kind of like, eh, I know it gets good gas mileage, but is it a sports car? So get, knocking it for flavor in those regards, I'm going to keep it at a 7.2. A 7.2 for blonde flavor. All right. Solid 7.2. Mouthfeel. You know, mouthfeel on this one is actually really good. This is where, okay, if I'm going to be like, well, it doesn't taste like a blonde. This has the effervescence of a blonde. It's very carbonated. It's light in the mouth. Uh, it covers the whole tongue evenly. You know, nothing's like too, too thick, too viscous, too syrupy or anything like that. The carbonation doesn't burn, but it does let you know it's there. So in that regards, it makes up some of that ground. I'm going to give mouthfeel on the Deer Slayer an 8.3. All right. That's, I mean, that's all. That's pretty good. I mean, we we revere 8 to 10 on this podcast. So for you to do 8, that's a good beer. Good Deer Slayer. Mm-hmm. Good Deer Slayer. Now, wait, we just did aftertaste, right? Yeah, okay. That was mouthfeel. Oh, aftertaste. <laughs> aftertaste. I swear I haven't had a beer yet. You know, it's, it's kind of nice. I, I get a little bit of hop characteristic in the aftertaste far more than I do when it goes down. So that's a plus. I get kind of a, uh, a semi-breadiness to it. Almost like a bread stick if you stripped it of... All of the oregano, garlic, butter, and Parmesan flavor. If, you know, can, can you picture that kind of bread taste in your mouth? Yeah, a little bit like of, uh, just like the crappy pizza place down the street when they give me breadsticks. Uh, okay, so I gotta tell you, best slice of pie in Kansas City. You're gonna be going <laughs> down to Waldo Pizza. I will fight you. Oh, I'm just, we're not starting. Open that. We're not not without Kyle. Not without Kyle. Wait, please, please don't tell me that you think Waldo Pizza is the best pizza in town. Heck no, man! I will start okay, the good. pizza right. wars. So, so we can, so we can. Okay, wait. Let's say the our favorite pizza place in town, but we have to do it on 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 three, two, one. Okay. And actually, give me give me one second. Let me make sure. I, oh yeah, I know which one. On. Okay, here you go. Oh wait, do, do we do we, do we want to hold on to this until Kyle's here? And we just do a three way three, two, one, and just like either gang up on somebody, <laughs> or just like do a complete just like triangular standoff. All right. Okay. So so viewers out there, stay tuned for our next podcast to hear some more hashtag food wars yeah we're, we're just a fast food podcast now sorry guys not sorry okay uh anyway to get back to the flavor profile i was trying to allude to it's a it's a very french bread french baguette sort of breadiness you know where it's kind of like a uh, it's not sweet bread in the way of like you know a tart or a donut but it's kind of like a sugar heavy bread that's the kind of aftertaste i'm getting from here which i think is pretty in line with a blonde all that to say, after tasting this bad boy, I'm going to give it a 7.9. All right. Excellent. And last but not least, our BDQ, our Blyde Edwards-Elaire. 
so here's a couple things going for this beer. Number one, this is certified crushable. Uh, I could easily put down this mega tall boy 19 point whatever ounce can and be going back for seconds. Low ABV, it's not going to hurt you. But do you know what the biggest, the biggest BDQ is about this beer? The can art? Very close. Very close. Uh, I'm about to go Nicolas Cage in face off and let you know that the can art on this can is actually a sticker you can peel off and slap down somewhere else. No way! It has a removable sticker, and I dare you to find me another beer in existence that has that. Now, I'm not taking it off right now. That's super but, smart. Because I, I want to use the sticker. But that's pretty unique, and that's a pretty high BDQ. But so, put on my F-150. Put it on your Ed 150 uh, you know, I might put it on my laptop. I might put it on the back of Kyle's car. You know, the Ford, the Ford Fusion. Uh, so all those things considered BDQ. I'm, that's pretty high. That's a nine point three BDQ. Yeah. All right. So shout out to Contra Brewing for uh, for the great sticker. You know what pizza place I wish could you can just like take a sticker off and slap it on? Where from Kansas City? My favorite pizza place. Well, why don't we do a countdown? Three, two, one. And Even see. without Kyle, do the countdown. Yeah. Screw it. without Kyle. Without Kyle, let's okay. do it. Here let's we go. Three, two, one. So not only that, we we love our Willie Gay, but I also want to give a shout out to a lot of great defensive linemen that really showed up. Of course, you talked about Frank Clark, Frank the Tank coming in there. Chris Jones as well got a sack for four tackles. He looked great as well. Mike Mike Dana. Mike Dana, welcome to the league. I know we haven't seen a lot of Mike Dana, but we saw a good amount of Mike Dana. I hope they put him in the rotation a lot more. He had three tackles for a loss today. I mean, that that is pretty freaking good. So congrats to Mike Dana. I love that they're using him in the rotation. He's athletic. He's speedy as well. Um, that was great. Ter- Tershawn Warden. We also saw Tershawn get a get a sack as well. So a lot of great stuff. Mike Pinnell doing well. Um, oh, also, well, no, we'll just talk about the front four first. Yeah, so that was great. I think what we saw in that defensive four, we need to continue to see. I understand that the Miami offensive line is not great, but I hope that at least as a spark plug for our defensive line going forward man Luka Doncic Kyler Murray Mike Dana what do they all have in common Armando (laughs) Reese is becoming gotcha media guy now oh no I I think you know what they all have in common what they have in common is the fact that I was wrong I was dead wrong about all three of those. For, Wait, what did what did you grade him? I forgot. What did you give him a grade? Uh, I think I gave him a C in our draft podcast, which is available to all friends on podcast at patreon.com backslash FCSM <laughs> in season zero. No, what I said about Dana was that he's an undersized D lineman who didn't seem that athletic on his film for Michigan, but he's in the pros now and he's like, hey, watch me make this tackle. You want to see me do it again? And dude, he's he's playing lights <laughs> out for a rookie. I couldn't have asked more for a fifth round pick than, than what we're getting out of Mike Dana. It's it's incredible, and I, I'm sorry I ever doubted you, Mike Dana. Please accept this olive branch of the podcast from me. <laughs> Speaking about rookies, we had Mike Dana play well. We had Tershawn Wharton playing well. We also have Legarius Sneed playing well welcome to the freaking league seven tackles to lead our team against the dolphins give me legerious sneed i'm sorry fenton i'm sorry ward i am officially putting sneed as our number two corner we i mean he is so athletic that dude can jump with the best of them in the league and he he actually turns his head when there is a ball being thrown what a concept which uh, which breland i think forgot to do on one play come on breland uh but i really liked what i saw from sneed again an almost interception how many almost interceptions have we seen from sneed this year probably 10 and he would lead the NFL. So really happy to see Snead in there because come playoff time, give him as our number two cornerback. You want a really hot number about our boy, Legereus Snead? Reese coming at me today with the hot takes, man. Oh my gosh. In regards to playing against a quarterback, 
he has the second best QBR in the league for defensive backs outside of our man Xavier Howard. You're kidding. He is. I believe he's at 43.6. He was .3 off of Xavier Howard's QBR against, which is insane for a rookie. I mean, oh, and not only that, but remember, he played a different position in college, right? Cornerback, this is the first time that he's playing corner. We had talked about that in the podcast. I think he was playing more safety in college, if I remember right. Yeah, he's kind of doing which some of the honey know, badger stuff. Which I yeah. know isn't isn't the biggest trend. I know that's not like the hugest thing to to transition to, but he's transitioning to a new league and he's transitioning to a new position, right? How many rookie cornerbacks are we thinking about right now that we're like, oh yeah, that person really transitioned well. Oh yeah, that person's really great. I'm sorry, but Legereus Need, that was a home run and today showed the the genius of Brett Veach in the draft this year. Absolutely. I mean, we've had some really great late round draft picks coming out of this last draft you know and i and i still have confidence in uh oh geez i say this sarcastically as i blank on our tcu lineman's name who decided to opt out the year i cannot wait to see him next year i'm dead serious uh lucas niang lucas niang thank you you know it, it's funny i i had george's niang's like face in my head because because <laughs> i know just like put on an offensive lineman <laughs> basically i had like i had like him just playing basketball for Iowa State because Kyle just has that like cemented into my brain at this point. Okay, Reese, before we end the Miami Dolphins Chiefs uh, recap, I'm going to throw out some names of NFL teams and I want you to say whether you think Miami can beat them. Or actually, better yet, better yet, out of, okay, let me, let me, let me rephrase it because I guess they can lose to any team. If they had to play a 10-game series against these teams, how many games would they win? Uh, so Tennessee Titans won. Uh, Tennessee would win 6.5 out of 10 games against the Dolphins. Fair. Um, Buffalo Bills. Uh, Bills would win 7 games out of 10 against the Dolphins. Okay. Colts. Colts would win... Colts would win six out of ten against the Dolphins. Okay, and then lastly, we kind of touched on this: Steelers. Steelers would win. Steelers would win five and a half out of ten against the Dolphins. So basically, what what I'm getting at, and what you've kind of proven as well, is that Miami could beat any single one of these teams in the playoffs. Like there, there, there is no blowout for any of these teams. I think it's safe to say that Miami can actually pull something off in the wild card. Yeah. I think if I had to summarize Miami in like one long sentence, their defense is very disciplined with some highlight players, but not elite. And their offense while having a few pieces here and there is not good enough to make up for a team that can overcome their good, not great defense. Yeah, that's fair. It actually kind of reminds me of the Tennessee Titans before Derrick Henry got kind of hot, where it was this emergence of Tannehill taking them to the playoffs. It's a possibility that the Dolphins can knock off a Steelers or something like that and could actually help us in the long run. Um, so I'm looking forward to them being in the playoffs. I think it's going to be really exciting to see. And uh, yeah, hats off to Miami. Hats off to Brian Flores in that defense. And also... Uh, hats off to the Chiefs for even though they played really well, the Chiefs, you know, scored 28 in a row and sealed it. Sealed it. Okay, this might be the most significant preview of our podcast season. All the other previews have been like, all right, yeah, Chiefs going to win. All right, Chiefs. Let's talk about this one a little bit more than we normally do. So next week, people are saying, and I, I believe it, if Drew Brees is back and if Drew Brees is Drew Brees, this could be the Super Bowl preview. Because they have a great defense. Drew Brees is back if he's healthy. They have Drew Brees, Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara. Great team can easily be in the Super Bowl. Reese, let's just assume that Brees is back. What is the score of this game for you? Oh, baby. Uh... You know, also I, assume Breeze is healthy. Sorry, let's put that caveat out well, there. Well, can you, can you assume that a 41-year-old man coming off a punctured lung and multiple fractured ribs is healthy to any degree? 
that this is this is <laughs> going to be a real telling game for us. And this is one of those games that I better see Ravens or Bills part two here. By which I mean the defense shows up and gives them like a B to B minus game for four quarters, because Drew Brees is designed to kill our defense. He's not going to kill us deep. He's going to kill us death by a thousand paper cuts. He's going to find the open check down. He's going to find the guy on the quick slant in the middle of the field. He's going to pick on Sorensen. He's going to pick on Neiman. The question is, can we get to him quick enough to force him to throw a pass with his, with all respect, weakened 41-year-old arm that he maybe can't get anymore? We're going to need our defensive backs to really feast in this game. So with Drew Brees coming in, how I think Drew Brees would come in coming off of injury, I could see this being a high-scoring affair with the Chiefs squeaking out a 30-28 to victory. Ooh, 30-28. So your biggest concerns then are him kind of coming through doing some dink and dunks. Are you scared or have any panic about their defense? No, I think their defense is overrated by and large. Uh, you know, they, they've shut down the Falcons, but what are the Falcons this year? They've shut down the Broncos. They shut down the 49ers. Those are some of the worst, you know, offenses in the league right now. The Eagles with rookie Jalen Hurts. No disrespect to Jalen Hurts, but you got a rookie quarterback playing with a bunch of confused players with not much to play for in that division, and they just dropped a 24 bomb on him. Bears with their quarterback carousel dropped a 23 bomb on him. Now they have shut down the Bucks. I'm going to chalk that up to matchup problems, but by and large, I am seeing some good, not great offenses putting up some mid-20 spots on them. I, I got to say, if our offense shows up and executes to a decent degree i don't see why we should score we shouldn't score at least 30 on this defense fair fair so i think that i'm a little more afraid of their of their defense not because they are particularly elite but because our front four on the offensive line suck and they are going to expose Pastor Mahomes. I think the Brian Flores scheme slash Bill Belichick scheme seems to be the way for these teams to get a chance. It's if your front four can beat our front four, then we don't have to blitz Patrick and and we can double team Kelsey. We can double team Hill and we're going to force Pat to pass it to Robinson to pass it to McColl, who McColl played excellent by the way even even Robinson played well last week but I think that gives teams like the Saints who are a very good team a chance to pull one off but I'm not panicking about them you know you're you're right Drew Brees even if he comes back and he's healthy he's not going to be 100% you know he even if he's at 80% I think that's going to be a liability for for the Saints but it could be a shootout and I'm going to say it's a shootout because I would love to see a shootout. I haven't seen one in a while. So how about let's say 45 to 38 Chiefs. Oof. That'd be pretty cool. Not going to lie. Okay. I want to play one last devil's advocate on you because I know we're running out of time here. Let's I like to think it. of myself as a pretty versed football fan. I watch at least, you know, one and a half to two games every Sunday. I've been following football since I was like four years old. This might be ignorance. I can't name you one player on the Saints defensive line. Can you? Cam Jordan? That's not ringing any bells for me. Really? <laughs> nope. Cam nope. Jordan's a pro bowler. <laughs> well, obviously he's not a very good pro bowler because I've never heard of him. I'm sorry. Was he part of was he part of Bounty Gate, maybe? Um yeah, I think Cam's I don't know how long he's played, but Cam's been playing for a while. Well, he's been playing for a while and I heard of him. I'm sorry. You're brutal, dude. You're brutal. Dude, I'm just calling it as I'm seeing it here, okay? Okay, okay, all right. All right, fair. So, so, so their front four may not be a elite. Well, Cam, I'm sorry. Cam Jordan, I think, is very good, and I'll stand by that. But they have what we don't have. They have great linebackers. Demario Davis, uh, Quan Alexander, and then, of course, on the... Uh, they have LaShawn Lattimore, you know, Mal Malcolm, J the Jenkins brothers and oh, Marcus yeah. Williams. So, of course, they have an, a nice, a nice core of defensive backs. But uh, OK, fine. I, I don't know who Trey Hendrickson is. Um, I don't know who David Onyemata is. OK, fine. Uh, <laughs> look, all I'm saying is that if they can get to Patrick, I'm not going to be happy. And then Pat throws it to the to the Jenkins brothers. Then, yeah, that that that's not going to be a good game for us. Also, let's let's not forget Alvin Kamara is going to like he's 
you know, if you have Alvin Kamara on your team, double down on that game because he's gonna he's gonna have a, a game. The Jenkins brothers sound like people that would be in like some snooty private school, like the Winklevosses, and they run like the chess team. Be like, watch out for those Jenkins brothers. <laughs> Wait, wait till like Malcolm Jenkins like finds your address and just like does that. Uh, what, what's that? What's that one commercial where it's like, uh, would you rather have this or get tackled by an NFL professional? <laughs> would you rather have this or it's would like you rather have the Jenkins brothers embarrass you on Chess Master? I don't know. <laughs> what's he gonna do? Use his masterful English language me to death? <laughs> You're brutal, dude. You're brutal. I'm All coming right, to play. I'm here to slay some deer and slay some cheer. We'd like to thank you for joining us today on Fountain City Sports Media. This podcast is brought to you by listener support, so consider becoming a friend of the podcast. Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com FCSM. There you'll find premium content, including outtakes, bonus episodes, and exclusive beer reviews. Find us on Instagram at FountainCitySM to get updates on the podcast, sports, and of course, the goings-on in the beer industry. And as always, I'm Reese, and alongside my good friend Armando, we thank you for tuning in to Fountain City Sports Media.